The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Casey, it is May 25th, 2021. It's awesome to have you back on the pod. It's been a little while since we last talked. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was before the season. We were getting ready for, for baseball season. Or was it even during the last season? I, I How long has it been? Yeah, I think the I think it was like bear season. Okay. So it was like September. Uh, playoffs were about around the corner at that point. Okay. So, But yeah, here we are already. May, almost June. Uh, so obviously we're going to talk some white socks and I kind of just compiled like a list that we can just like a hot list that we can just kind of run down. So first off, before we get into that, you're the host or is it co-host of concourse pod. So go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it's, yeah, me and my friend, Steve, who I've known pretty much since the day I was born, our, our, our parents were best friends. So we've known each other our whole lives and have been white Sox fans of our whole lives together have gone to a game since we were little kids together. And, uh, Steve, you know, is, uh, you know, he's, he's an ex player, you know, played actually pretty recently. He's was playing in adult league, um, till, till pretty recent, actually still plays sometimes, uh, to, as a sub. So he's kind of, you're more of a, you know, he, he knows the game inside and out from the, from the uh, inside the lines perspective. And he had a good idea to, to do a podcast with me that, of course, is more of the analytic mind of uh, on the game of baseball, and we kind of watch the game a little bit differently. And we decided to kind of put our two minds together and just try to put together a fun podcast, talking about you know mostly the White Sox. We'll we'll dive into a little bit of MLB if there's a big story going on, but it's the White Sox. We we record once a week every Sunday night and just go over the week that happened in White Sox baseball and. You know, we're eight weeks in or something like that now, and uh, of course, it's been a pretty wild ride so far for the 2021 White Sox. Yeah, that's for sure. And so I'll just kind of start going down my little list here of just kind of White Sox facts and things that I've been noticing and that I'm, I know you're well aware of. So in general, uh, entering tonight, May 25th again, uh, 27 and 19, they had the best run differential in the American League. Uh, but they're coming off kind of a, you know, obviously a disappointing sweep against the Yankees at Yankees Stadium, but rebounding nicely against the Cardinals so far. I know you've been watching the game tonight, right? Oh, yeah. The wild one. Yeah. Giolito versus Flaherty, high school teammates. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the Cardinals have just booted the ball all around. So I know you you watch the Cardinals more regularly than I do. I didn't know that their defense was this bad, or maybe they're just having an off couple nights, but uh, the White Sox have been gifted quite a few runs here tonight. Yeah, I was just watching their weekend series against the Cubs, and Cubs obviously, it was kind of a close series the entire way through. Friday night got away from the Cardinals kind of late. Saturday was close. Sunday, of course, was close. But, you know, it's funny. I have a Cardinals friend, so I'll talk crap with him jokingly but you know how that rivalry stuff goes but i was telling him even that i need to watch the cardinals a little bit more frequently just because i haven't been paying as close attention to them but uh yeah i saw that the cardinals had three errors like in the second inning tonight and uh i know the Sox have one themselves but 
Uh, yeah, I saw the Cardinals are kind of, I don't know what's going on with them uh, defensively right now, especially tonight. Yeah, Bader got hurt yesterday in the game, um, so their outfield is kind of a mess right now. I know O'Neal's out as well, so there's a bunch of like newer outfielders, and they've been, like I said, kicking the ball around, but even Arenado had an error, which never happens, so it's just yep. not the Cardinals' night, and that's good news for myself being a White Sox fan. Yeah, Friday night, uh, Arenado had a ball that he misplayed somehow, so... Yeah, kind of weird there. A little bit of a bump for them, it looks like. But uh, yeah, in general, the White Sox, I think, are playing as well as most people would have expected. Obviously, the sweep against the Yankees was disappointing. Obviously, it's a sweep. But, uh, you know, Friday's game was close. I watched, I think, most of Saturday's game. Then I was watching Sunday's game. But uh, it, looks like they were gonna, it almost looked like they were going to pull it off. Vaughn in the ninth inning with the home run off Chapman and then the walk-off walk with by judge but uh you know i don't know what was your what were your thoughts watching the yankee series obviously it's one series it's a good test though for any team like the white Sox. and i don't know is there a narrative of like oh they're beating up on a bad division and this was our chance to see them against the yanks or is it just you know one series they're a good team it, it was a it, kind of yeah on. It was a bad series. The pitching matchups didn't really line up for the White Sox. Friday was the best one where it was uh, Rodon against Montgomery, and Rodon was awesome. He had 13 strikeouts, and uh, but you know it was a one nothing game on Friday, and then a two one game on Sunday. They got their butts kicked on Saturday against Garrett Cole. But um, the, you know the bats went a little silent. They couldn't hit Montgomery, which is obviously very weird for the White Sox because they're so good against left-handed pitching and just could not figure out Montgomery at all. And then Garrett Cole had his way with them on Saturday. That's not not a surprise or anything. That, that, that not a, uh, a demerit for the White Sox at all. And then Sunday they really didn't hit uh, Tyon all that great as well. So yeah, it just seems to be a you know hopefully a little bit of a blip. Yesterday their offense wasn't there a ton. They broke out a little bit late. Um, Vaughn hit another home run. So. Andrew Vaughn is really kind of the story right now for White Sox fans because he's obviously this guy that we've all been waiting to see blossom. And obviously he's been pushed into a lot of tough spots for a young kid this season and never playing above high A. Um, and then, of course, playing left field, which he had really never done in his career as well. But when Eloy went down, Vaughn was asked to do that kind of out of the out of, you know, out of nothing. Like I said, he did not really have much practice there. He's been really good in left field. Very, very strong. I mean, just, you know, doing exactly what he's asked for him. He had a um, an assist tonight. He threw out Goldschmidt, stretching a single into a double. Just has been great, and especially coming from a couple seasons watching Eloy play left, where every play was you're you're you got a little worried and got a little nervous on not only would he hurt himself but was he going to make the play it's not like that with vaughn when there's a fly ball to vaughn now it's just like oh yeah he's gonna make it and then now he's starting to hit too uh he's killing left-handed pitchers you mentioned the chapman home run uh he hit a home run off of another lefty yesterday they the cardinals left their starter in for far too long and uh vaughn made him pay so vaughn's killing lefties not doing too great against righties right now but hopefully it's all going to start to come together for, like I said, a, a, a young rookie who's never played above high ball and, and he's having a pretty good first two months of the season. 
Yeah, he had an interesting weekend. Uh, I mentioned oh, the, uh, the game-tying home run off Chapman, but then he had the triple play as well. Definitely an interesting little couple of days or a couple of, of at-bats there for him with the triple play and then the uh, the home run off Chapman. But uh, yeah, they almost, they almost pulled that one out Sunday. Just didn't quite have enough there. But yeah, you mentioned Carlos Rodon. Obviously, he's been surprising. Uh, could you have ever expected that? I mean, he was... You know, non-tendered, and now he's back in Chicago. Throws the no-hitter. He's five and one so far on the year. Great ERA. I mean, and you can go beyond that analytically, but in general, he's having a great start. Absolutely. I didn't know to answer your question. I did not expect it at all when they signed him. You know, a couple of weeks before spring training started, just kind of a three million dollar. It almost seemed like a gift contract to maybe give him a shot to try to make the team. But you know, I was actually a little bit bummed when they signed him because the White Sox, I thought they needed a fifth starter at that point, you know, going into spring training, you know, it, it seemed like their top four was set, but the number five starter was going to be a question mark uh, headed into the season. You know, it was going to be Ronaldo Lopez and Ronaldo Lopez has had a really bumpy career. And it, I, I was going to be very comfortable if they were going into the season with him. So I wanted the White Sox to bring in another proven arm, make a trade, something, because obviously this team has World Spe- World Series aspirations. And when it was Rodon, it was just kind of like, well, we've seen this. We, we've we've gone down this road. Um, the guy gets hurt. You know, he's good when he's healthy, but it's just it's it's few and far between. Now, even when the few and far between, though, it, he's never been really ever this good. And of course, he had the no hitter at the beginning of the season which was just incredible. It's such a great story. I mean, obviously, I loved it as a White Sox fan, but just I think have even as baseball fans and I listen to national, you know, on national podcasts about just their perspective on how great of a story it is. Like you mentioned a non-tender guy given just this 3 million dollar contract, a proven contract, and then he throws a no-hitter and just was incredible that game and has and has had games that really he's had better stuff in other games, like the Yankees game, he had better stuff, 13 strikeouts. Um, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. And of course I have my fingers crossed that he stays healthy, but nothing's really come up. I mean, he's had a hamstring, you know, flare up a little bit and they have treated him with kid gloves a little bit, you know, uh, taking a couple days between starts. And I think they're being pretty smart about it. Obviously Michael Kovac, I, I assume we're going to get into it at some point has been kind of a nice bridge to just have this six starter. Who's just as good as anyone's, number two starter in the whole league be able to kind of jump in if if Rodon needs a day off or you know Lynn went on the IL stuff like that you know it's it's the White Sox starting pitching has been the strength of the team and and like I just mentioned heading into spring training I did not think it was going to be a strength yeah Rodon made history striking out the first five Yankee batters of the game on Friday which uh Obviously, it's no small feat anyways but I was kind of surprised anyways just you know five I mean I'm not belittling five straight strikeouts to start off a game it's just that seems like something that would have happened but it's something that doesn't happen very often so that and like you said he had great stuff friday night uh against the yankees but yeah rodon's been insane and you know you mentioned the no hitter obviously uh that was back that was i want to say that was the third no hitter of the year back when it was still kind of like oh another like wow no hitter now it's i mean Again, every no-hitter is awesome, but at the same time, it's like another no-hitter. Okay, but that was back when it was like, oh, cool, wow, this just happened. Right, we weren't tired of them yet. (laughs) Right, exactly, yeah. And then uh, Lance Lynn, he had a good night last night. He's been really good as well. Uh, Giolito, Lucas Giolito has been a little 
uh, I don't know. You've seen way more of him than I have this season, but I guess a little iffy, but he had a great start against the Twins last week, right? And so just kind of, uh, in fact, isn't he going tonight right now against the Cardinals? He, he is going tonight. Still ongoing. I got it on in this corner here. Um, he six strong currently. So I saw that Katz was talking to him in the dugout uh, just like while you were talking. So I think they're discussing on whether he's going to go back out there, but yeah, really solid. Like you mentioned, his last start was awesome. Uh, eight innings against the Twins, um, one run ball. He only allowed a solo home run to Nelson Cruz. Uh, the time before that was really good as well. Uh, he had like it was a double header game, and he allowed two home runs to the Royals. But they were both kind of wind aided, and it was a pretty good start. And yeah, before that, he was on a little bit of a, a bumpy road there. I mean, he got his butt kicked in Boston for that weird like Patriot Day game that's on it. 10 in the morning here and he just got blasted in the first inning and we really haven't seen that in a long time and so i think he's right of the ship because he started off really strong he had an awesome pitcher's duel with uh bieber like the second week of the season and then and then it would have a little bit of a downturn but it seems like he's coming back up so one through five has been one through six like i mentioned with kopech has just been awesome and obviously the offense is at a uh they're you know they're they're not they're not fully healthy <laughs> we haven't talked about the injuries yet but no Eloy all season Luis yeah. Robert got hurt very early so they're missing two-thirds of a, a very powerful outfield that they were supposed to have so they kind of have to win the low scoring games and their starting rotation is allowing them to do that right now and that's why that's the reason why they're sitting on top in the first place because the bullpen really has kind of been sh- I won't say shaky but not as good as they thought they would be so it's it this it's been the starting rotation that's carried this team so far through two months. Yeah, and even with the injuries, uh, still putting up some runs. Mentioned they were, I think, third yeah. overall in baseball, first in the American League in run differential. So they're still they still have a lot of pop, obviously, with guys like Abreu and oh man, I saw that that horrible collision. What about a week and a half ago? Now that was, and then he and then he got the win on Sunday on that uh, play at the plate that. He was safe on, so he's he. Uh, that was definitely a scary collision, though. Yeah, he's an amazing guy to watch and be a fan of. I mean, he's just he's so great, and yeah, obviously won the MVP last year in this magical season, and you know, I, I think he's just so deeply within the heart of any <laughs> true blue white sauce fan because of the stuff that he does, and to have a collision like that where one guy goes on the concussion protocol protocol and. That was a that was the uh a day, you know the day part of a day night doubleheader and Abreu wanted to play that night <laughs> he was kind of had to be forced to sit and yeah. then he came in the next game uh he, like you mentioned he won the the game scoring on a wild pitch he hit a home run uh yeah he hit a, well he hit a home run on uh, on the next day and then on the Sunday game two get two days after he won scoring from home on a wild pitch that just like bounced away from a catcher so. I mean, that's who Jose Abreu is. He's he is the heart and soul of this team. And no matter what, when these young guys come up, and you know, hopefully Robert comes back healthy, and Eloy comes back healthy, and Vaughn just continues to climb in his success. But no matter what, it's going to be Abreu that is the heart and soul, and then the drive of this team. They go as Jose goes. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. And when you say heart and soul, I also think of Tim Anderson. I feel like he's definitely establishing himself as a leader for sure, too. But you're right about Abreu, definitely the MVP of that team. And, of course, baseball last year. And, of course, Jermaine Mercedes has been insane also. He is 
at least uh, going into today, hitting 353. The dude's been on fire. I mean, did anyone? No one could have seen that coming either, especially like like we talked about yeah. Rodon, but like Mercedes. Right. I mean, I mean those that? two, I would say those two and Kopech are the surprises for this team that that probably uh, it, things that weren't counted on when the they went into opening day, especially even him, your mean, your mean Mercedes making the opening day roster was unexpected because yeah. a lot of people thought Vaughn was going to be the every daily DH. And of course, Eloy's injury pushed into left and it was kind of like, well, what are the White Sox going to do now with DH? Like I remember, you know, of course, you know, me putting together spreadsheets. Like I, I do it on a regular basis for, you know, for all kinds of baseball things. I had my White Sox roster put together ahead in an opening day. And I certainly did not have Mercedes on it until whatever it was the day before when they announced it. Um, and that has nothing to do with like how talented he is. Cause White Sox fans like always knew he could hit because he was hitting a ton in triple a for, for a couple years there. And of course, White Sox fans were watching these triple a games to watch Luis Robert play, but we would watch Luis Robert play. And then we'd see your mean Mercedes hit this like bomb home run down in Charlotte and be like, okay, who is this guy? And when is he going to get his shot? And with the White Sox struggles at the designated hitter position last year, because Evan Encarnacion just didn't get it done. Obviously, he reached the end of a remarkable career, but it just, he just wasn't the guy. And he didn't even play DH in their playoff series last year. He was sitting on the bench, but it was kind of like it. Even looking back at it now, when Mercedes had the eight for eight start to start a major league career, it was kind of like, where was this guy last year, and what difference could he have made if he was in that playoff series? But I mean. That's just kind of me with a little bit of sour grapes. I, you know, obviously it's all positive. Um, Mercedes has been so fun to watch. He's got he puts together such professional at bats. Um, you know, he had a, he has some monstrous home runs as well. But I'm more impressed when he like you know sticks with a breaking ball and knocks it to the opposite field. And he's had some really clutch singles at times. So he's been the full package. He's been a very very fun treat for the season yeah he leads uh the team with 80 total bases which i don't think anybody would have expected <laughs> so definitely a definitely a great start for him and so the kind of talking about the not so good the team defense 34 errors i think it's third highest in baseball so and they have won tonight so far against the cardinals so has that was that kind of a, a surprise i mean was the defense an issue last year or is this kind of like, okay, we kind of knew there might be some, some issues. Uh, Obviously Eloy, but he's not even playing. Yeah. And, and I mean, replacing Eloy with a statue is probably an improvement on defense. So no, I mean, really it's been, it's been the the loss of Robert. That's, that's, I mean, Robert's just makes such a big difference. He won the gold glove as a rookie last year. So not having him out there is a big deal, but to be fair, a lot of those errors came early in the season when Robert was still on the team. It was just like going into the first series, they you know, they started out in Anaheim against the Angels and they just they, they had series like we were, what I'm watching with the Cardinals today. I mean, they would just kick the ball all over the place. Adam Eaton missed a couple pop-ups that was, you know, Eaton's not the best right fielder, but he's you know, he can be okay. Um so that was kind of a bummer way to start the season. Madrigal's been up and down and it hasn't really even shown up on the scorecard as much in errors, but he's like missed some double plays and made some like not so strong of throws and some rookie mistakes. I mean, that, I guess that's the easiest way to sum it up. And obviously Nick Madrigal is, is still a rookie for all intents and purposes. So it's been 
better. Uh, the error today was Mancada just making a bad throw, and that happens from you know third base sometimes. Um, I guess the biggest issue that is probably continuing defensively with the White Sox is Grandal catching. He, he just he's not a great uh, blocker of the ball. Um, that's the I guess the thing that just kind of stays with me that that bothers me from game to game. But for the most part, the rest of the team has been better. And Adam Engel just started a, a rehab assignment today. Um, and obviously he's he's supposed to be like the you know the defensive substitution guy in the outfield and is gonna probably start against left-handed pitchers a lot a lot. And he might actually be, you know, more or less the opening day or the everyday center fielder when he comes back because right now they've been playing a bunch of Lurie Gar- Lurie Garcia out in center field and Billy Hamilton as well, who really still can't hit. He does play a great defense, but I think the defense can get a lot better, especially if we see some outfields with Billy Hamilton and Adam Engel, and then maybe someday Billy Hamilton, Adam Engel, and Luis Robert, which will be an incredible watch for somebody who loves outfield defense as much as I do. Do you wish that the team, you talked about the catching, do you think? Do you wish that the team kept James McCann or was that not really I mean, even in the cards he got he got paid i mean good for him i mean yeah right uh, he, exactly. you know we right. talked about rodan uh, getting non-tendered and then making the most out of it on his you know second chance and same thing with mccann you know the tigers dfa'd him and the white Sox picked him up and he became an all-star here in chicago and then he got whatever it was five years for the mets um i mean good for him there was no 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 way that the white Sox would match that especially i mean grandal is the highest paid player on the chicago white Sox, so there was no way that they were going to have their two highest paid players both be catchers um so there was just no chance but you know and the i guess the thing that i missed is he he was giolito's personal catcher and they had such a good bond that was what i missed the most but it seems like right now i mean giolito's had collins behind the plate for the last several starts now so i think he's starting to develop that bond with zach collins who is grandall's backup you know i don't think it's a coincidence because i think now it's like four times in a row out um giolito has had collins even against left-handed starters um and collins is being a left-handed hitter he's you know clearly they they want to pair those two together giolito probably just likes the routine he's that kind of guy um so i think he's developing that relationship with collins so hopefully that will fill in you know quite nicely uh for what he is missing with uh, mccann now in new york how have you liked liam Hendricks? i guess i guess he's had a few issues right like i was looking at his numbers and he's not like horrible obviously the era i mean even for a closer it's like in the mid twos which i mean Sure, it could be better. It was like in the ones last year, but uh, you know, a few save opportunities they got away, but what's still settling in, right? I mean, he hasn't been great yet, but he's not awful, right? He is not, yeah, yeah. Or is, or is there more to well, it? No, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that and run with it. So, yeah, I agree with you. He hasn't been great, he hasn't been awful. Yeah. That's the perfect way to define Liam Hendricks so far this yeah, season. Yeah, just iffy. My, yeah. <laughs> my, my thing that I'll go with here is that. Hendricks was the big offseason signing, uh, $54 million to yeah. a closer who I'm someone who doesn't really think that a closer should make that much money, or at least I wouldn't spend that much money on a closer because, I mean, I guess, number one, the White Sox had a very good bullpen last season, and they had some options within, you know, even if it was like a Cody Hewer, um, Aaron Bummer, you know, you don't really always want to have a left-handed um, closer, but, you know, Bummers have got the stuff. And then, you know, I really did like Alice Colomay. I mean, that's kind of a, it's a very um, 
differentiating point on White Sox Twitter on how people thought about Alice Colomay because Colomay was kind of a heart attack every time out, but he always got it done. <laughs> you know, he put a couple guys on and then still get the save. And some people didn't like that. And other people's did, you know, cause I, I was kind of like, you know, uh, the, the, the ends justify the means type with column a. So I would have been okay with giving out column a, a year or two to just keep the, the whole structure together. Um, not to say that I didn't like Hendrick's pedigree. I mean, he was awesome, but my big thing was, I wanted them to spend money. Like I mentioned earlier, I wanted them to spend money on another starter to, to fill out the rotation. Now that does look dumb in hindsight because the starting rotation has been very good. I did want another outfielder at the time. And this was even before Eli went down. I just wanted another bat. I mean, at this point we didn't know what Vaughn was going to be. So there was the designated hitter spot was definitely wide open. I wanted some money on a George Springer or a Marcelo Zuna. And they decided to spend the money on Liam Hendricks. And I think a lot of that went to, I, you know, I I have no problem criticizing Jerry Reinsdorf, but I think it was just a very very simple way of thinking that he, you know, Liam Hendricks essentially beat the Chicago White Sox in the playoffs last year. He was awesome in that in that uh, four game series. Uh, you know, it, it went to you know, uh, yeah, I think it was. I guess it was a best of three, right? Now I'm trying to remember. Whatever. They lost because Liam Hendricks went back-to-back games with a ton of pitches in both games. And, I mean, this is me probably just being a a silly White Sox fan, just kind of going with a a narrative here. But my thought process was Jerry Reinsdorf saw this Australian (laughs) superstar closer totally dominate his incredible offense because the White Sox did have an incredible offense last year. And he shut them down two games in a row to win the series. And basically, Jerry probably just put his foot down and say, I want that guy. If that guy's a free agent, I will pay whatever you want to get that guy in. I'm not going to pay any money for anyone else, but I want that guy. So, I mean, it's a really simplistic way. And obviously, I'm I'm not – I have no insider information. I just kind of think that that was an easy way of thinking that, you know, if, if you can't beat them, join them type of <laughs> philosophy there. And the White Sox decided – that the one piece that was missing for this team was it was a closer when they had a very damn good one last year and a very good bullpen last year. And like so go, getting back to just his results so far this year, yeah, they haven't been great. I mean, I, I would expect for the highest paid closer in baseball to just more or less be lights out. And uh, he's given up a bunch of bombs. Yeah, uh, He had the bases loaded walk on Sunday, like you mentioned, to judge. That he didn't even he he got he only got a strike because judges accidentally fouled off one. It was basically he threw five straight balls to judge, which yeah, I mean yeah, it sucks. I mean he he was put in a really tough position, tie game, <laughs> bottom of the ninth inning against Aaron freaking Judge. But you just kind of wanted a little bit better from him. I wasn't happy that he didn't start the inning because I would have just giving him a clean inning to start. That was my bugaboo that I pointed out on Twitter. But either way, he's got to be better. And I, I, I'll i still give him time, and I still have faith that he can be better, but it just hasn't yeah. been a good, whatever, first 50 games of the season. Or not, not we'll, we'll stick with what you said, not a great first 60 games of the season. Yeah, I've heard the casual, like when I've, I'm casually listening to like Carmen and Yurko every now and then, or whatever, I've, I feel like I've heard callers call in and say oh well just make michael kopak the closer and stuff like that and you know kopak's had a few starts i i mean he missed the last two seasons right with the whole tommy john and everything so they're trying to ease him back in and 
you know, it's just funny because everybody's like, oh, just the 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 highest paid closer is struggling. Just put Kopech in that role. My Kopech point is it, it's it's not even it's not a negative. I, it's just been the way that they're using him right now kind of hamstrings themselves a little bit because these these you know, he's been essentially the the doubleheader starter. You know how most baseball teams they'll call up you know their top triple a guy or whoever their long guy to pitch one of the two games in a doubleheader when you know you get that extra man on the roster you call up somebody from triple a and and let them start the game Sox have had the luxury of just saying that guy on our roster is michael kopech but when you do that and like the white Sox have a doubleheader this monday then you can't really use him for the the week upcoming for that you know um you have to kind of like get him ready for that start and yeah he's only going like four max usually in those starts um just because he's still yeah like you mentioned being stretched out because he hasn't pitched the last two innings but it's still kind of it puts them in a weird position where they they are down a man in the bullpen on those weeks that they know that Kopech is going to start later um so i mean he pitched yesterday two innings was awesome i don't know if he's going to pitch again though before monday and that means the white Sox are only using a whatever it is, seven man pen. Um, and they have games every single day this week and a doubleheader on Monday, like I mentioned. So I get a little worried about what, what, what happens when you have something like that. I'm not criticizing because Kopech's awesome. I'm not going to criticize whatever role they put him in, <laughs> but no, he can't really be the closer right now either for those callers to ESPN. Yeah, exactly. So obviously a few more topics. Obviously we have to touch upon, Tony La Russa, can't talk White Sox without mentioning Tony La Russa. I'm not even going to get into the whole unwritten rules thing. I know your stance and most people's stance. And in general, um, I, so the way I worded this, I said, is Tony La Russa old school, just old, or is it method to his madness? Is he trying? The team is already united. They might have, I mean, you can't really quantify this, but the White Sox might have the most cohesive clubhouse i mean they're all they all get along well uh so is it almost i mean i don't think this is the case but is it almost like is he trying to just unite them against even just him whatever it takes i don't think so i think it is more so just the old school mentality it just it is how he is it's all what we kind of expected i think going into the season and there's been little obviously the whole 3-0 thing against the twins and his comments and all that so uh and before that, it was, you know, the one thing I would say was he was accountable for any time that he would mess up into his own admittance. Yeah, I messed up. That's on me. He was accountable, at least. But yeah, that cost potentially cost the team a few games here or there, even though they are playing well, they're in first place. So uh, <laughs> what is what has been your mindset with La Russa in general? Have you been as critical as, you know, not before the whole 3-0 thing, just even yeah, why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? You you cost this team this game? Or is it kind of just like, yep, I knew this was probably going to happen some way along Yeah, my biggest fear when the signing happened was that it would hurt the camaraderie of the team. It would hurt their spirit. You know, they're, they have such a, you know, a, a flair on this team. They have, um, you know, they, they, they had so much swag, you know, last year. Um, and, and they're a very, um, I, I, not a really unique is not the right word, but I think that they're, they're, they're they have the most swag probably in all of baseball, maybe in them and the Padres, um, yeah. you know, they, they, yeah. they showed it all year last year. And I just thought with an old school go- manager like that, who has made some comments about that type of stuff in his past, I just was worried about what 
he would be saying to the team in the clubhouse. Now that hasn't been the problem. So, and then my my hope for Tony Larusso when he was signed is that he was going to be able to make the veteran moves and just give them that little edge on, on certain things. And I just really haven't seen that. I've tried because, it, like I said, I, I I don't think that he's hurt the team's swag at all. Um, even with the three zero thing, you know, clearly Tim <laughs> Tim still posts on Instagram, keeping you to your men and. None of that stuff has really seemed yeah. to fade. I don't, I don't see any issue there. Granted, I, I obviously we can't see inside the clubhouse, and the whole thing was weird. I don't want to get too much in detail because, yeah, we could talk an hour on just the three zero thing and the reaction. I mean, that was that's his biggest gap of the season, Tony. You, you know, you, yeah. I mean, uh, I think the media complimented his honesty for a long time, and I'll get into the the rule that he didn't know, but. The fact that he came out and said it, like people gave him credit for that. And I guess I can give him credit for that too, because you don't see that out of managers a lot. But then it crossed the line where he was too open, I believe, with the media about how he was going to handle the Mercedes situation. If you had a problem with what Yerman did, and if he did miss a sign, like what Larissa said, that is an internal thing that you have to operate within your clubhouse. You don't you don't throw him under the bus in front of the media. Then you don't compliment the other team for throwing at him. It was just that that obviously is his biggest gaffe all season so far. And then second is the the missing a rule. You know, he screwed up a extra inning rule that's new to everyone, but still, like um, it was a game against the Reds in the NL Park, so it was a you know a weird rule with should the pitcher be able, you know, have to go out and run the bases. Now, I understand the White Sox are, I think they have nine games in NL Parks this season. So obviously, it's probably not at the top of your mind, but somebody has to be accountable for that. Some coach has to know that and be able to step forward and say, like, hey, coach, just so you know all the rules, I prep myself for this. This is what's going on here. That's, it might, it might even not even be, like I'm saying, a, a, a Tony issue, but Tony's in charge. So Tony had to put somebody in charge of that. Um, if he wasn't going to be accountable himself, and it, that's number two uh, of the of his biggest gas this season, and then of course there's there's been the small stuff that you see with any manager in all of baseball, some weird bullpen moves, some crappy lineups that come out. I don't necessarily put that all on Tony because you almost get that anywhere, like I said, and some of that stuff they've been kind of screwed by injuries, like we've said, and. There's only so many things he can do, but overall, I don't think I don't think Tony has won too many baseball games. I certainly do think he has lost some, and um, you know, even that the game where he didn't know the rule, I thought he had managed a great game <laughs> that game, which was kind of funny. Like, that was a a one zero game or something like that, and he was making really aggressive pitching substitutions and made some good pinch hits in that game, and it, I was like. You know, I've been very critical. I, you know, I had a blog going for the first part of the season and would say my piece on him every day about what I thought he got wrong every game because there was a little things here and there, like I, I mentioned, small things. Um, but that game, I was ready to give him credit. I thought he managed to win that game against the Reds, and then it was just the blunder of all blunders. And then I guess the last piece that I'll put to, to wrap up the Tony talk, this is something that me and Steve talked about on our podcast this Sunday. I hate being the butt of jokes. My my team that I am the fan of, I hate them being the butt of 
jokes on Twitter and on MLB podcasts, and everyone is just criticizing what's going on in Chicago. I don't know if you saw what uh, CC Sabathia posted about that incident with the three zero count. He wasn't necessarily like poking jabs at Larusa. He was just saying like, "What the hell are the White Sox doing hiring this guy?" And you know they are a World Series caliber team, and they have this old guy that the game has passed him by holding them back and i do feel that to a degree for sure i hope they can get past it you know it's it's gonna be hard uh obviously i think managerial moves make just so much bigger of an impact when you get to september and october and i'm i'm nervous about that stuff for sure because i i don't believe in a lot of the philosophy that i've seen so far from tony larusa this season yeah, maybe uh, he's just getting the hiccups out of the way. Obviously not managing in 10 years, but yeah, I mean, it's it's fair to say, you know, uh, if you're nervous, I could definitely, so far, I could see why that would be the case, but who knows? Maybe I, yeah. he uh There can be some long-term just... plays, and I understand that a manager could do that. Like, I'm making this move so I can do this in September, or so they understand how to do this for the playoffs, and... I can see that and I can try to squint and say like, okay, you made that move for this future occurrence. If that happens in the future, they'll be ready for it. Fine. And I understand that that's an easy go-to excuse for Tony defenders, which there are still some on Twitter that I don't get it, but they're out there. I just don't see it. I've watched a ton of baseball. I'm I'm 37 years old. Granted, that's far less of age than Tony La Russa, but I have watched a whole lot of baseball in my day. And, you know, I see things, I guess, through my the way I watch the game. And um, there's just things that I just don't agree with uh, as a baseball fan. And my opinion means squat next to Tony's, but that's <laughs> you had me on for my opinion and I'm giving it. Before I let you go, I like, I really like, so last time I had you on, we talked a little bit about the barrel from the offensive perspective. I really like the starting pitcher barrel numbers, the, the grades that you've been giving. So I checked those out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I saw, I, I, I you'll be able to correct me, but I think Garrett Cole and you Darvish might've been leading in baseball with like, was it like eight A's so far this year? They've both been phenomenal, obviously. It's something like yeah. That. To give you a quick summary of it, yeah, I, I grade. I created a statistic called Barrel FIP, which is the FIP calculation: field independent pitching, strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And I replace home runs with barrels, the thing that created by Baseball Savant on basically the perfect way you hit the ball. So instead of using home runs as a ball that you know obviously could be dependent on weather, could be dependent on stadium, barrels is not not you know independent of both of those things so it's really just how squarely a, a guy hit a ball and then uh i use that stat and how long a pitcher went into the game so how many innings they went and i have a little algorithm that i give a pitcher a grade on how they looked that day and you know i get the arguments on twitter every day which i i love i love the, the communication I, that's why i do it i love to have the conversation because people will say hey uh this happened to me um you watch the game. Uh, Adam Wainwright on Sunday night, you know, was awesome, right? <laughs> you know, he he dominated the Cubs. Eight innings, one run, and he got a B in my grades. And that was because he had a couple walks and he allowed a barrel to jock. So it just fell very, very below my margin for a B. But I had a Cardinals fan reach out to me 
this one was very, very nice. Some of the times I get like, your metrics are crap. This means, <laughs> you know, if you're giving Wainwright a B for that, then these metrics don't mean anything. But this was a very nice fan. He reached out to me and said, can you just please explain to me why <laughs> Wainwright got a B? And I did. You know, I said, you know, it. I am not grading the results. So, yes, Wainwright went eight innings in one run. But the way I look at the peripherals, that if he were to pitch – those same with those same um, peripherals, the the number of strikeouts, number of walks, number of barrels allowed, a thousand times, you know, a uh, hundred of the thousand times, he's going to not have a good of, uh, as good of a start. Um, that's essentially what the grades mean. It's it's grading the peripherals, not the results. So yeah, I post those every morning on my Twitter, um, and I have a lot of fun with the, the conversation because sometimes there are things that shock me. You know, the, uh, I remember a start back in, I've been doing this since 2019, you know, Verlander allowed, I think f- three or four home runs in a game and still got an A in my grades because none of them were barreled. <laughs> so he had zero barrels allowed, even though he had four home runs, I believe it was, uh, in Astro stadium, which has, you know, that short porch and left. So he just gave a couple home runs over that, that short porch uh, and, and just kind of got screwed. And, and my grade said he pitched a great game because I still think he went like eight innings and had like 10 strikeouts, the normal Verlander start. But I like when those pop up that even surprise me um, that I give a higher grade than I would have expected or a lower grade. Or I should say my algorithm gave a higher or lower grade than I would have thought. Yeah, I do get that, though. Like, you know, he might have done everything he needed to but for some reason just got beat. Whereas, like you said, Wainwright looked great, was great, but technically could have gotten beaten here where he may have made it may have worked out but he may have gotten away with something so i think that's that you know makes you think thanks a lot for hopping on talking socks it was a long time coming to get back on and do it but uh we'll have have to do it again maybe even this season like uh second half of the baseball season or something i'm always down i can't wait will thanks so much for having me and yeah anytime you you want to Bring back on. I love to talk about the White Sox. I will talk about all MLB, whatever you need. Yeah, exactly. Sounds good. Well, I'll definitely be in touch. I'll, uh, I'll definitely uh, keep up on Twitter with you. And yeah, have a good rest of the night. You too. Later, buddy. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff.